Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guest and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives we lead on our path to self-mastery. Today on the show, we have Tim Kasuf. Tim is a certified personal trainer in South Florida who has struggled with his health, addiction, relapses, and has lessons to share on how he's completely changed his life and how he's no longer the results business, but the action business. We discuss his story that led to addiction, divorce, and even how to come back from relapse. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Tim. I'm so glad that you're on the show. Thank you for being with us today. How you doing, man? My pleasure, man. I'm great. I'm great. My dad always says, if I was any better, there'd be two of me. That's how, that's how good I'm doing. So could your wife or the rest of the world handle two Tim Kasufs? No, no, that would be, nobody should have to have that trauma inflicted upon them. <laughs> that's funny. It's actually the second time this has come up in the past couple episodes. Had conversation, I think it was actually the first episode we talked about cloning at one point. That's funny. And I was like, I don't know if I would want to get cloned. Yeah, I think I would want at least one more of me. Like imagine the amount of work you'd be able to get done and the dumb bullshit arguments you'd get in with yourself. I've seen, I've seen multiplicity. I don't need to watch that movie again. <laughs> what a good Keaton flick. Well done, man. <laughs> good job with that. So, Colt, Tim, well, I appreciate you jumping on with us. I'm going to be mindful of our time and as we go through stuff today. Uh, to give a little bit of background here, so Tim is a certified personal trainer. He and I have known each other for about 20 years at this point. Uh, however, there's a big gap of about 15 or so where we didn't really talk to each other. You know, life it's happens true. and all of that. Life took us in very different directions, I would say. Oh my gosh. Heck yeah. So one of the bigger reasons why I wanted to bring Tim on is Tim has always been one of the strongest, mentally strongest men I've ever met in my entire life. He's also succumbed to uh, other things that people have come to, um, addiction and some problems and things of that sort. But this man is an actual specimen of somebody who's walked the talk. Uh, and done all of it. He's somebody who's gone through the craziness and kind of come through that. So, Tim, to start us off, I'd rather you give us some sort of some context of yourself. But can you tell us uh, one thing you do for a living and one thing that most people don't know about you? Sure, man. Um, I am. I mean, I'm a personal trainer for a living. So I, I like to joke that I count to 10 for, for a living. Um, I tell people to stand up, sit up and wow, sit down and stand up for a living. Uh, obviously there's much more to it than that, but really the, um, uh, for me, it's about, you know, helping, helping other people, um, find the, the same level of, uh, I don't even like the word success, but find the same, uh, uh, lifestyle, um, that, that I've found that, that has, you know, been so beneficial to me. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Um, and that's really the, the, it really is. It comes down to a passion for people. Uh, something that people don't know about me. Um, this isn't my natural hair color. <laughs> so give me a real answer. I really don't know, man. That's such a, you know what? I, I, here's the honest answer. I live my life like a book. So uh, I've joked about it with my wife. Uh, you know, we've talked about as we, as we talk about potentially having kids in the future one day, um, you know, and there's the, the, the social kind of norm to not tell anybody for three months. And I said, the only way that's going to work, if you don't tell me for three months that you're pregnant. Cause I'm just not good at that. I live my life, uh, sharing openly with people around me. That's just what I do. That's, that's how I, um, that's how I would want to process great news. That's how I'd want to process tragedy. If, you know, if it happened, it wouldn't be by keeping it a secret. So, um, I don't know that there's much that most people wouldn't know about me. Uh, if you've talked to me for one minute, you know a whole lot pretty quick. Uh, that's, that's probably the truth, man. That's funny. I'm sure your wife um, doesn't appreciate that at different times. Like there's certain <laughs> things it's like, damn it, that's, that's a husband and wife conversation. You're like, oh, I'm sorry about that. I have, I have relatively solid discretion, but at the same time, like when you're living your life, uh, um, you know, a certain type of way, there's not a whole lot that you, you need to be keeping hidden, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, um, I, I was thinking about something similar to that the other day, having a conversation with people that I work with. And I forgot um, one thing that I talked to one person about because I thought I talked to the other person about it. 
and was like, did I talk to you about this thing? Or was it this person about this thing? And it was all about, you know, the same category of what we're talking about. And I thought in the back of my head, thank God I don't lie to people about dumb things even. Because yeah. at that point, I'd have been like, oh, I'm totally Sunk. lost. And yeah, confused. Well, who what did I tell you again? What do you think you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but I, I got to be honest with you, Tim. And I think you knew this uh, from years and years ago. I used to lie a lot. I was kind of a manipulator, but I was a hurt kid, hurting kids, basically. Yep. Hurt people, hurt people. That's always the, the one of the truest cliches I've ever heard. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And as we get older, I think it seems to make more sense. You know, uh, being in our late 30s, I'm sure you've seen people that you wonder, you must have been through things, but why haven't you gotten through it? Back up, back up, back up. I, I like to say mid to late 30s. I'm not ready to fully accept. Hey, I didn't say you were 40 yet or close to 40. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. We were in our mid to late 30s. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here we are. We are in our teens. Um, <laughs> we're just really smart for our teens. My right. God, if I knew the stuff that I know now back when I was a teenager, I would still have fucked up. Let me just be clear. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to go there. Fucking up was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, but I think I would have fucked up worse. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It would have made it much more epic fails. Absolutely. Things would have gone from a kind of dumpster fire to an actual dumpster fire. Like things would yeah. have been uh -huh. legit on fire. So even, let's, let's kind of jump with some of that. So when we first met, Tim, we were actually kids. We were teenagers. Yep. Yep. I think we were 18. Uh, so Tim and I met by joining a multi-level marketing company like you know everybody at some point does. If you haven't been in MLM yet, you probably will be, or you have at least already talked to somebody who's tried to get you into one. Yeah, um, thankfully, Facebook wasn't as big as it is now. I wasn't even around then. No, no, I know the way the, now the way I tell people about, uh, you know, it's like, what, what's an MLM? Oh, yeah. You know how like everybody, every third person on Facebook is talking about their essential oils or something. Yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't have to be those guys on Facebook because it wasn't a thing. <laughs> no, we were instead basically dialing for dollars. Yep. And making yep. cold calls to old family members that we haven't talked to in ages or friends hey, of friends. Billy, of friends. Remember me? Yeah. Oh, so it's funny, man. I, I remember getting into that company and literally the first time I met anybody, I thought I'm going to die here tonight. Like I was in such a negative spot. <laughs> I went into that one main guy's house. who so you know, I'm not going to name him. I might have him on yeah. the show at some point because he's a great dude. But I remember walking into his house with my buddy who brought me in there and I looked down the basement. And you remember that old, old, old basement they had? And I was oh, like, yeah that's where I'm going to die. That's where it's going to happen. Am I okay with this? I was like, well, fuck, what else am I doing? Incredible. Oh, yeah. But that was actually the beginning of my personal growth journey. Was that the same for you? For me to be alive is to grow. To, to say that uh, you know, my personal growth journey started at any one point or finished at any one point would just be misleading. Basically, as long as I've been alive and struggling, there's growth. Um, that's, that's just it. I mean, from learning how to you know be a team player in sports and learning how to overcome adversity uh, and setbacks still win or to learn how to deal with it when you don't win um, th there's just been growth in every season and every stage of my life if i look back and i get honest about it um you know again same thing there it was just another place where uh, a lot of good things and a lot of challenging things all came at me and and, and I, I left it with you know a lo lot of lessons learned I would say it this way, and I've seen this somewhere. I don't, some kind of Instagram meme or something. But you know, there, there's no such thing as failure. You either succeed or you learn, and that's just been my experience. You know, as long as you're breathing, you've you you can move forward. Yeah, you absolutely should be. The thing that comes to mind at that sense is uh, the homeless folks. You know, I've lived in different downtowns, uh, Philly, uh, Portland, and though they're on different sides of the country. There are homeless people there that I've looked at and I've thought, what is it? Why did you give up? And I, I don't know. Maybe some of them didn't give up. Maybe some of them, you know, there's something that's wrong and they just didn't get the help that they needed. And I'm not trying to bring this to a homeless conversation, but I'm right there with you. And I always wonder why people allow themselves to actually abandon themselves. And I'm sure we've done it at different points. I know I have. Heck, I did it a couple years ago within my marriage. I abandoned myself in several different ways and it almost led me to jump off a roof. 
I'm glad that I didn't. You know, I got to a point where I was like, I either jump or I have to change. But it sometimes takes people to get to that point. So I, I know you had gone through some addictions and some problems. Do you want to jump into that? Sure. And it, it relates, honestly, to what you talked about with, uh, with homelessness, because I don't think I don't think anybody's choosing that. Um, that's not true. I'm sure there actually are some people who just like the nomad lifestyle. Um, but that's got to be a small minority. I think for the most part, um, it's easy for us to look at that group the same way it is for um, most people and me before I knew anything about addiction to look at uh, drug addicts and say, uh, you know, oh, like what, where'd you go wrong? What is it? What, you know, why are you such a failure? Um, Why can't you just get it together? Um, And the reality is, is pretty different. Uh, One of the things that we learn in, um, you know, in the program of, of, uh, recovery that I'm a part of, um, is, you know, that, that everybody's dealing with something, essentially everybody's sick in some way. Um, our sickness is pretty clear, uh, uh with the manifested in symptoms of a, a substance abuse disorder. But, you know, when somebody cuts you off and you want to lose your mind at them, it's important to remember that, Hey, it's, I don't know what's going on in their life. I have no idea. Um, they're either, are, uh, uh, Maybe they're rushing to the hospital with a sick kid, or maybe, um, uh, or maybe they're just sick in a different way. And so I try to have, um, uh, it's not even, it, it's a little bit beyond empathy, but it, that's the word I'll use when I look at, uh, somebody who's struggling, uh, in a really pronounced way. Um, cause I think we're all struggling in some way. Um, uh, and, and struggling doesn't mean, um, well, Having an issue doesn't mean struggling. I would say, you know, we're all we all have something going on. Uh, as an addict, I'll be an addict forever. I'll always go to meetings and say, "Hi, I'm I'm, I'm Tim. I'm an addict." But um, but it doesn't mean I'm struggling with it right now. It doesn't mean I'm struggling with active addiction right now. So mm. the addiction, the disease, um, the problems, the issues, whatever we want to call it, they're not the root. No, no, they're symptoms. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. When we talk about addiction or alcoholism or whatever, um you frame that up as, uh, you know, we look at it as uh, a disease with three, three different pieces. Um, there's a physical allergy where, you know, when I, you know, if, if you have an allergy to pollen and you come in contact with pollen and I don't, you're going to react differently when you come in contact with pollen than when I do. So I have a physical allergy to drugs and alcohol where, um, I, my body just responds differently than yours does. And it creates this phenomenon called craving where I need and want more, no matter what the consequences are in my life. Um, so that's the physical aspect. There's also the mental obsession where even if I haven't had any mentally, I can't stop thinking about, um, you know, this, this stuff or this thing that I think is going to solve problems for me. And then there's a spiritual malady too, where I'm just not whole. I'm not, um, I have no connection to anything greater than me. And, um, and essentially, you know, the words that we use often are that we're driven by selfishness and self-centeredness. Um, that's really the root of the problem for us driven by a, a whole lot of fear. And it's, it's hard to see all that. Um, what's interesting about, uh, drugs and alcohol, or for me, it was drugs really specifically. Um, they, we reached out to that because it solves a problem at first. So it's definitely not the problem at first. At first it's the solution to your problems. You know, I'm uneasy all the time, or I'm feeling inadequate, or I feel trapped in my life or whatever it may be for you. Um, or I just don't feel right. I don't even, can't even identify it. And, uh, so we, we reach out, we grab something, some substance, we see other people doing the same kind of thing. Like I had a rough day. I need a glass of wine. Whatever. Um, and so, yeah, okay, cool. And, and it works for a little while, maybe a day, maybe a year, um, where, uh, yeah, I feel better. It's solving that anxiety. It's solving whatever, or in reality, it feels like it's solving that problem. What it's really doing is masking the problem. Band-aid. Yeah. Uh, it's not even a bandaid. A bandaid would actually be helping in some way. <laughs> sure. It's, uh, it's having a gash in your chest and then putting on a shirt that's a picture of a healthy chest and <laughs> saying, see, <laughs> I'm good. Um, see, I'm fine. Everything's good here. Uh, so you feel better about it, but, but in reality, nothing's, nothing's getting better. And, and I think it's driven in our society big time, too. I mean, we, we all wear masks. Uh, social media is certainly a hot topic to talk about in the you know, everything's presented so uh, uh, perfectly on social media. Don't believe it. It's, it's all just a, um, a fancified view of, of reality. No one's actually that, that happy or perfect or whatever. And that may be true. I think ultimately in reality, social media is the same as uh, 
mom would have you dress up to put your best on for Sunday because we want to look nice for the, we can't let them know that we're psychopaths and, and running late <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, uh, drowning our brothers in the bathtubs, like whatever, like, you know, we got to, we got to look nice for everybody in public. It's the same thing. We just do it, um, you know, on a larger scale through social media. I don't think anything's changed with society. It's just done through a different medium. Um, but that's the point. Nothing's changed in society. So that problem everybody can identify in social media is, is not a new problem. It's a, it's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even a problem to say it's normal. Uh, we all wear masks. We all present in some way a little differently uh, to others. I, I, maybe not all, but I, I don't like to talk in absolutes, but sure. it's, um, it, it's just such a common thing and it's, and it can be a dangerous thing. And that's, um, you know, when, when, when your mask or when your crutch, you know, becomes a substance, uh, and it stops helping, you know, it was helping you at, you thought it was helping you at first. And all of a sudden it's not, it's not even helping and you still can't stop using it. And now there's consequences to for using it and you still can't stop using it. Uh, so it's not solving your problem at all anymore. Your original problem never went away. It only got bigger because you never addressed it or dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And then your, your solution that you thought was helping or helped you at least to pretend it wasn't there, that's not working. So the problem is big and in your face still, no matter how much you use or drink. And, uh, and you now have additional problems as a result of using and drinking. Um, and you still find yourself uh, picking up that bottle or that you know, pill or that powder because you need to at that point, because you need to at that point. It has hijacked fully the survival mechanism of your brain. Literally the brain studies show uh, that it mutes your prefrontal cortex, your, the part of your brain that's responsible for decision-making and um, uh, willpower and that kind of stuff is just kind of non-existent. And the survival mechanism is the only thing that's, that's driving you. Um, and so it becomes a need. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's wild, man. Uh, the example I like to give to people is, you know, if you had your head held underwater and you were drowning, and it was like, um, you know, somebody said, hey, punch your mom in the face and you can take a breath again. You'd, you'd, you'd explain it away in a million ways. I'll explain to her I was going to die. Like she'll understand. You know, like, what, I, I got to do. I need, this is a need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do something that is very uncharacteristic to take that breath um, because it's down to survival. And that is what addiction feels like. That is exactly what it feels like. Uh, at least that's my experience. And that's important to clarify. That's what I experienced in addiction for me. Um, for me, it started with, um, prescription Adderall. Uh, I had always been, uh, I don't think it would have been hard at any point in my life for someone to say, this kid has ADD. He is a wild and crazy guy. And, um, uh, at some point in my adult life, it was uh, clear that I was struggling to complete tasks. Uh, it was, you know, I had a lot of great ideas, bad execution, kind of consistent feedback. So I talked to the doctor, got put on Adderall, and that was, it, it actually helped for a little while. Uh, for a few years, I took it as I was supposed to take it. And then outside of work, as things in my personal life and my first marriage were just crumbling around me, um, I really didn't know how to deal with any of that. I was unequipped for the, the issues that we had from day one. And it was, but I was, you know, I'm good at work and I'm bad at home. So I'll just stay at work more. And, um, uh, you know, when you're working 60, 80, 90 hours a week. Uh, hey, I'm going to write this proposal all night. Um, and I'm going to just take another Adderall. That'll help. And then I'll just skip one on Saturday. And then, okay, I'm out of my month's prescription, you know, two weeks in. All right, that's not good. Uh, so I'm, uh, I think so-and-so has, maybe I can get some from them. And then it's, it's like that. And then I'm so wired all the time and I can't calm down. So I'm like, I remember, um, having experience with other, you know, substances that made me feel like calmer, maybe I'll get some of those and that'll help bring me to a place, you know, where I'm I'm feeling good. Um, that'll balance me out because the solution wasn't to stop using the thing that's making crazy. It was to add more things in my mind at the time. So, uh, that was, um, that was the direction it, it, it headed down. And, and, uh, at every step, it's wild how you rationalize, um, and explain away behavior that now I can look at and say, that's just not normal. That's in, it's, it's clearly insane. Um, and what I've come to find is that so much of that, uh, 
is not driven really by the circumstances around me. It was driven by the, the situations inside for sure. And I think that's true for everybody, addict or not. You know, we have, um, we cope with stuff. Um, we, we put on a different mask or whatever based on what, what we feel like or what we're afraid of or what's unique to us. Um, you know, and something I learned in, in treatment and therapy and things like that are, are, are if you, if you think about situations, you know, you and I could have the same exact situation happen to us. Somebody could cut you off in traffic and you could go, huh, whatever. And I might lose my mind, you know, or, um, we could be at the, the shop, the, the store, the grocery store. And there's, we're in a little bit of a hurry and there's no open lines and everybody's got, you know, a huge cart full of stuff. And we're going to sit there waiting forever. And some people will literally freak out and some people might, uh, uh, just wait calmly and, but get angry inside. Some people might just go, well, that's a bummer. I'm going to be late. Some people might ask somebody politely, Hey, would you guys, I just have this one thing. Do you mind if I, you know, there's, we all react to the same situation so differently. Um, and that's because we're all so different. And so often when I find myself feeling upset or angry or frustrated, I'll look at, um, I'll try to stop and say, what, you know, what is it in here? What is it with me? That's, that's, um, you know, making that a problem for me, you know, it's not that that isn't necessarily a problem. What is it about me? That's making that or that person or that, that situation, um, frustrate me because it's, it's almost always coming from my own stuff. Um, and that's an important habit an important discipline for me, uh, to, to keep on a daily basis. Oh yeah. I mean, even if it's coming from them, it's still your stuff. You still have oh, to deal 100%. with your stuff. It's not them. It's not what they did. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, and this is all about authenticity and unpacking the things that we go through. Literally at the gym this morning, I see this guy who works at the gym, and I just think as he walked by, fuck that dude. And the only reason is because he looks like an asshole. But instantly I caught it and was like, I've thought in about reality, that though, two or Nick, three different times. Does he look like an asshole or does he look like he's fit and in shape and you're like a little jealous? I mean, there's something going on. I don't know. There is something going on. Yeah. Something so, is there about you. Yep. You, and I thought about you, that even today. as you're describing it, you just said, because why? Because he looked like an asshole. No, that's not why. Why? Because he brought something up inside of you. Yeah, exactly. So as I've thought about that a couple times, and just as he passed by, and I think I heard him say something to somebody at some point that was sort of off color and a little weird, but it is because something that's inside of me, because he reminds me of somebody from sure. high school. It wasn't that, to you, maybe. Exactly. And it hit me today. And then I almost thought, like, well, I need to get off the elliptical and walk up to this guy and shake his hand and say, hi, I'm Nick. And who are you? <laughs> and then maybe if he is an asshole, I walk away and go, hey, at least I know. But it was interesting to think about that thought that it just popped up, came up into my mind and just starts yelling. Some people will allow that to come out, like you're saying. They'll freak out. Some people will just kind of keep that inside. I think the power right there, and I think we're both on the same page with this, is actually processing it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think back to the book QBQ. Do you remember that book? I don't. It's the question behind the question. So if you ask questions and keep going and going and going, I often yeah, where think does that of, end? Yeah, exactly. I think you get back to the root of that thing. Right, right. Keep digging until you get there. And it takes the work to be able to do that. And it's important to do that to yourself. It's incredibly important. In fact, I think that's one of the most important things that most people allow slip by when they're in the addiction. And look, I, I overdosed on heroin and almost died when I was 19. So I understand what the addiction looks like. Yeah, I just waited until I was 32 to do that. 33, same thing. Man, I told you when we were 20, what happened? And you didn't listen. No, I'm just kidding. Yep, my bad. <laughs> yeah, totally good. We all have to learn the way that we need to learn. But we all have slight addiction problems in certain ways. I think life boils down to the balance and finding that healthy balance where, yeah, a glass of wine at night, if you need it, that's not a healthy balance. If it's something that you want and it's kind of a happy for you, you should still probably dig into that a little bit uh, and be able to figure out what that thing is. But I think we all have that cusp of where we can balance or we can fall off and just fall into the addiction. So how did you get past that? Before I, I'll answer your question, but before I do, it's important to me too to say, um, you know, that's true. Balance looks different for everybody, right? Balance can be misleading as well. Um, for me, having balance in my life is having, uh, is living sober, um, is not having, you know, uh, trying to moderation doesn't work for me is what I'll say. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I had to learn that about myself and that's, 
fine. Um, and so I don't, I don't have to rely on that kind of, um, that kind of option. Uh, I was waiting tables with a friend, uh, in early sobriety. And, uh, he said, well, when I first moved to Florida and got sober, it was wait tables and, uh, we had a crazy shift and he's like, man, what are you going to do when you go home? Like, you don't, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't, you know, like I'm going to have, like, I can't wait to go have like two beers and just unwind. Like, how do you process this? And I was like, well, you know, I choose to live my life in such a way that I don't have to, I don't have to live reactively or respond to that. I, I I'm, I'm proactively maintaining, a, a, you know, um, that spiritual connection that, that keeps me grounded. So I don't have to, I don't have to go freak out and unwind. I just, okay, it happened to move on. I'm the same way with food. Like when I, I've learned that for me, it is easier to have no brownies than to have one brownie <laughs> or no French fries than to have a small order. I can't do that. Um, I, I don't know how all of you do. It's <laughs> insane to me. Um, like my wife, she'll, she'll, you know, have ordered dessert and like leave half of it. I'm like, what are you, are you, what are you doing? It's right. What, why are we going? It's right there. I know that that doesn't work for me. So that's okay. That's my balance. How I got through that, how I got over, um, gotten out of active addiction is uh, really for me through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous um, and, and the 12 steps and recovery programs like that. I went to treatment. I moved to Florida um, to go to rehab five years ago. Um, and when I got out of treatment, I decided to stay. I moved into sober living here. I was surrounding myself with other people that were on the same journey that I was on. And um, worked actively to, um, really repair those three areas of, um, that I mentioned the disease is based on that, that spiritual malady where you just have no connection to anything bigger than you. Um, and that's a really terrifying place to live, by the way, when there's nothing bigger than you, it's all up to you. So if things are going well, that's fine. When things are it, oh man, that is a terrible place to be. Um, there is a whole lot of peace to be found in saying, well, this is above my pay grade. There is a lot of peace there. And that is a hard place to get because uh, we are, even your business could be perceived as the uh, giving a, a different message. I don't think it is, but it could be seen that way because our culture today wants to talk about personal success and personal development, personal growth. And that's all great. Um, but man, we, we don't have control over a whole lot in this world. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I try to look at it like I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got in front of me. I'm going to trust God to handle the rest. And, um, and that's where I find peace there. Uh, so I, I worked hard to, 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 um, you know, really connect to God spiritually, uh, prayer a lot, uh, almost outsourcing my issues. Like God help me figure this out. Help me through that day. Um, and even helping me when the mental thoughts of using again, God, God get that thought out of my head. Um, and uh, actively pursuing that uh, uh, that relationship with God for me, um, uh, for others in the in the program, it's not specifically God, uh, but that is that is my experience. And then, um, uh, you know, enough time separated from drugs and alcohol through being in in treatment helps you know take that um, physical craving away. That's the the physical allergy aspect of the the, the disease, and then the mental obsession part. Um, really, that is what the twelve steps. Um, you know, of any 12 step recovery program are designed to do are to help you um, move past that mental obsession and, and reach and connect more towards uh, a higher power, something greater than yourself so that you can, um, you know, find yourself in solid footing. And for me, uh, an important lesson um, that is just so critical to share, man, is that you know, when something's working, we have this tendency to say, wow, that's great. It's over. It's worked. Like I'm done. That's good. I see it as a trainer. I see it in fitness all the time. Um, Hey, this is great. I'm good. Like, uh, I'm good. I'm done now. Right. I'm done. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're finished like, for the rest of life. You're totally good. No, man, you that's, <laughs> that's just not how it works. Exactly. Um, and most people would laugh at that. Um, but I still have people that will ask me like, why do you still go to AA meetings? Um, and, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And it's because I had to learn a very hard lesson that um, it is something you have to maintain for the rest of your life. The same way you have to maintain fitness, your health, or anything else. It's never something that is over um, as the, um, the COVID pandemic uh, came through. I found myself really for the first time feeling a lot of fear again. 
um, in, in, as a sober adult. Um, we were supposed to get, my wife and I were supposed to get married, um, March, right when, or April, right when things started getting shut down, 2020. And, uh, you know, this thing's out of my control and I don't, I can't accept this. This is crazy. People aren't going to come to a wedding because they're, they're afraid. What are they afraid of? This is stupid. This, all these thoughts are going through my head. Like, this is crazy. How's this really happening? You know, I just couldn't accept what was going on. Uh, it was, you know, just so, I didn't know how we were going to pay for stuff. Like I, well, I was at the time I was waiting tables and it was just, uh, um, had been working at the, at the gym as a trainer now for about a year. Uh, and both industries are shut down and I'm like, I don't, there's no remote options for most of that. And it was, uh, tough. It was scary. And, and it felt like I, I, I lost fully that idea that, um, I'll do the best I can. I trust that it's going to work out. I really have come to believe that faith and fear are opposites. Um, and I was, all the faith was gone and I was just living in fear. So things went okay. You know, unemployment stuff started to come through. Um, it was all right. But, but I had already at that point lost all that footing. I had not, I had already fallen away from regularly attending or working a program in AA or anything like that. And, um, and the, a very, very bad thing happened when I stopped going to AA meetings, which is nothing bad happened. So I, again, remained convinced, um, on some level, uh, that, okay, I'm, I'm good now. I'm different. See, I don't really need all that. It's okay. Um, you know, I'm good. I'm maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe mine was really just my circumstances. It wasn't really my internal issues. Um, but as those fears came up, so came back a lot of insecurities that I have. And then I'm, uh, as I'm in the industry of personal training, man, you know, growing up the chubby kid with body image issues and then working in, in, in uh, South Florida in, in personal training is a tricky spot to be. Um, if you don't have a fit spiritual condition, man, because there is a whole lot of ego and a whole lot of just good looking men and women down here that, that are in this industry. And it's tough to, uh, to look around and think, do I fit in? Am I good? Am I lean enough? Am I, do they, do I know enough? Um, to, and as things around me were looked good, I was not okay. And, um, about eight, nine months ago, um, I got an ad on Instagram for you can, you can, uh, uh, we'll do a remote appointment for your doctor and prescribe you Adderall. And I thought, Hey, that worked for a while at first before, maybe it'll work again. Now I'm, I've got too many clients. I can't handle stuff. I don't feel sharp. Um, that'd be great. It was not great, Nick. It was not great. Um, they literally, I mean, literally I could, you could just get a doctor's appointment, uh, uh, over your phone, have a phone call and they'll call on the script for you. It was incredible. And it was, you know, advertised to me <laughs> and I was not in a place to chuckle and, and move on. Um, I was in a place where I thought that'd be a really good idea. Uh, it was not, it was not, it led me right back down the same exact path that took me down before. So, um, where December 29th, I would have been celebrating five years of sobriety this December, I celebrated six months and I'm really happy with that six months. You know, as long as I continue to, to, to do the things I need to do, it's going to, uh, uh, you know, be however much time it, it, it gets to be. Uh, but I also know that I can learn a lot from that as well. I mean, just like I said before, there's no such thing as a failure. As long as you're still breathing, you either succeeded or you learned something. And I learned a lot. Uh, I really think too, it put me in a place where I'm going to be positioned to help people um, in a way I wasn't able to before. Um, I wasn't helping people in the world of addiction as a sponsor or really helping people in that way at all. Um, I help people in my career as a trainer. I thought that'd be enough, but now I'm able to put my arm around somebody who's, you know, had some time of sobriety fallen away and is feeling crushed and demoralized and feeling like, Oh, I just ruined everything. I lost it all. Um, and put my arm around him and say, Hey man, I've been there. going to be okay. And that's a huge thing. So I'm, I'm thankful for, for, um, already the little bit of, um, value that I can see in that. And I just, I trust that God's going to have a lot more lessons uh, to teach me, you know, as I continue to, to move forward in this journey more aggressively and, and stay, stay connected. You know, sometimes we have to learn the hard way that, uh, you don't graduate, you don't graduate from your issues. You know, you, you have to, uh, yeah, the have to constantly... keep coming. yeah, man. It's like, um, uh, oftentimes emotional issues. It's like, a, like you go to your doctor cause you have flu and you want him to give you medicine or whatever to make that disease go away. Therapy is different and, and, and our internal stuff is different for a lot of us. Um, 
you know, if you have a specific mental disorder, okay, great. There might be something you need treatment for, and that could be more along those same lines. But for most of us, man, whether it's therapy, whether it's, um, you know, just a good relationship that you use, whatever you're doing, it's much more like, uh, um, uh, uh, gosh, like landscaping. I mean, I don't know why I picked that example, but it's just, it's maintenance. It's constantly, you constantly are weeding, maintaining, Ooh, I want to put this new plant in there, grow, you know, add it to it. Um, it, it just, it's not something that you're ever done with. Um, and that's great. You know, I remember I was really upset when I was like, I had to admit again that I'd, 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 uh, I'd fallen back and I was like, I gotta admit that I, uh, I relapsed and I have to, and because I was like, now I'm going to have to start going to meetings. God, I had it so good before I didn't have to go. And now I have to go. I ruined it. And I'm like, man, now I, I just have this great perspective of, I get to, I get, I love going to, my, I love going to those. I love checking with people. The things that I learn there, the value that I get from sharing and talking about myself and, and just hearing others do that is, oh man, I was missing out on so much before. And I thought I had, I thought I'd beat the system and this, and you know, I was just fooling myself. I, that's not even, that's not even it. It's not even just that I was fooling myself. I was just missing out on stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Well, sometimes you, you've got to have that relapse to be able to continue to learn a lesson because you didn't finish learning the lesson. And as you said, yeah. you're going to continue to go on and grow. Let's talk about your mindset in that space because, you know, there are people that make the decision or others make the decision for them to get them into some sort of treatment. Then they're there and they're doing the thing. You and I both know that once you make that decision and you start putting your foot in front of the other, you're actively doing the thing and your momentum and your energy is taking you that way. But let's talk about that fucked up area where you were like, I'm about to relapse, but I think it's okay. And then going through that and then at the end of it, understanding that you had to love yourself and give yourself grace. Can you speak to the audience a bit of for those people specifically that are going through that and have had those problems? How do you how do you go through it? you got to get other people involved. You just do like nothing good comes in the darkness. You got to just bring light into it. You, you just do. There is beauty in surrendering in admitting your own defeat and saying, I, I just, I've been, I've been trying to hold all this together. I thought I was holding it together. I'm not. Um, even if you're not ready to say I'm not, I need help. There's no, there's, there's just, just saying, hey, here's what's going on is, is, is magic. I don't know how else to answer your question, but that's it. I mean, it's just, you, you gotta, you gotta get it out of, out of the shadows and into the light. So it sounds like the, the main step that people need to take is just that getting your ass out of bed step. It's like when you think, when you're like, I gotta get up, I gotta get out of bed, just get out of bed, just Get your foot down on the ground. Do what you need to do to have that first conversation. Be with a friend, a family member, a therapist, whoever it is, somebody that, would you suggest somebody that you trust or who would you suggest? Yeah, of course. Of course, somebody you trust. Um, it's so hard, man. Honestly, I would suggest another alcoholic or another addict. Um, mm. That's why that's why AA is so powerful and NA and, and all the 12-step programs are so powerful because they're really centered on, um, you know, one alcoholic or one addict or one sex addict or whatever, helping another. Uh, and that's it. Cause, cause you can talk to, uh, you know, I can talk to my wife. She doesn't understand. She, she's right. literally the most incredible woman. Not that I've ever met, but that I could even imagine, but she's just, she has an experience that she doesn't, she does. She tries to understand. She's full of grace. It's, an, it's unreal. Um, but, uh, you know, then I can go talk to somebody else who's experienced or that experience. And they're like, Oh yeah, he's a hundred percent. I get it. Um, and that's a, a really important, important thing. You know, it, even before that though, man, it's, and this is, this is good because this is much bigger than just any drug or addiction, but it's, it's recognizing that there is something better and it's available to you. Right. Um, and I, if you can't recognize that, you're never, ever, 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 ever going to be able to say, um, I want this, you know, I, I'm, I can, I can make this, I, I, I can, I can take that first step. 
And I've seen that happen as a trainer in the fitness space. And I believe we all know at least one who says something like, um, gosh, I would do anything to not be fat. I'm quoting somebody directly in my mind. So I'm not calling anybody uh, their own perception of themselves. Um, I would do anything. to. Hey man, I've been overweight and unhappy with myself too. Um, here's what I did. Like try, have you tried some of this, some of that? Um, (laughs) yeah. Oh, I wish. No, man, it's, it's, it's really available to you. I understand though, because I know what it feels like to feel like, yeah, yeah. I see other people are healthy. I see other people aren't using drugs or alcohol. I see other people are fit. I see other people have success in business. I see all that. I believe that, that, that happens, but that's not available for me. Right? Like that's not, I'm too far gone. Mm. Right. It's almost like the people that always say, you know, yeah, but you don't get me. You don't understand what I'm going yeah, yeah. through. No, no. Mine's different. Mine's yeah. different. Oh, that's every, that's every single one of us, man. There's people like me. That's all of us. Uh, yeah, 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 but but I'm but you don't understand my thing. We're trying to, I mean, because we've rationalized it to ourselves for so long that it literally makes sense. It makes yeah. total sense to us. But that's um, and so when I when I want to justify what I'm doing to somebody else, uh, I'm gonna even if uh, even if I don't know that's what I'm doing. I've been that person who will say, "Yeah, but I, you know my." you don't understand my marriage was really bad. We had a medical condition that we didn't even know about. It was all these things. Um, and really, you know, the, the question behind the question, the result I'm trying to get to without even realizing that's what I'm doing is I'm really trying to present everything to a place where you're going to go. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I guess you could, I guess, I guess you can go ahead and keep doing heroin, Tim. Like what? <laughs> that's ultimately the only reason to say any of that stuff. The only reason to offer up any excuse. Um, or to offer up any, um, yeah, but it's because you're trying to get somebody to go, yeah, yeah, I would, I'd be that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if they would, so what, there's still, there's still somebody out there who wouldn't be, and there's a better way. Um, so it's, yeah, it's recognizing that there's a better option out there. There, there is something better. And then it's available to you that there's that no matter where you are, you're not too far gone, whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is, whatever your, um, objective is, whether it's, sobriety, whether it's, uh, kicking some addiction, whether it's kicking a food addiction, whether it's getting healthy, whether it's, um, uh, 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 having abs or lowering your blood pressure, whatever it is, um, the promotion at work, uh, starting your own business, you're not too far away from it at all. It, it just starts with the first step. And instead of looking at the whole magnitude of the mountain that you want to climb, it's important to keep your head in front of you and look at the steps that are right there. That is why in uh, the recovery community, we often say it's one step at a time, at one day at a time, you know, taking it one day at a time, sometimes one minute at a time, one, you know, one second at a time, um, because that's all, that's all that matters is what's in front of you right now, accomplish that, and then do repeat <laughs> and repeat. And as you talked about before, something I just posted on Instagram earlier, uh, yesterday actually was, Momentum. Momentum is powerful, man. It can work against you if you have been stopped because now all the momentum is towards, is moving in the direction of not moving. (laughs) You know, you have gotten comfortable doing nothing. I called it the quicksand of complacency. It's a real thing. It's easy to fall into that. Um, It's always easier to roll over than it is to roll out. Um, It's always easier to do, "Ah, not today, I'll be fine. And the very cruel thing happens when you do that. Nothing bad. You don't lose your fitness or your health in one day. You don't lose the relationship for the one time you, you, you decide not to go to dinner. You don't lose, or you, you know, you call and say, I can't make it. You don't lose, um, you don't lose your job for the one time you call out sick. You don't, but man, it's so much harder to get back to the gym after that day off that week off. It's so much harder to pick up that next, um, you know, next step in your career path when you've fallen a little bit behind, you know, you got to catch up before you can even grow. But not only is it harder to start again, once you've stopped, it's easier to keep going if you would have kept going. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you start or stopped, start now, it'll suck at first. It'll be really hard. Force yourself to get started and remind yourself that every time you do it, you're building momentum towards making it easier every day. And then if you decide 
once you've started again, if you decide I'm going to take, I'm going to take a break and stop um, completely, you're, you're just hitting reset. You're just putting yourself right back to where you started. So, you know, recognizing it's out there, recognize it's available to you, but also recognizing if you want it, you got to work for it. It's not going to be easy at first, but it will get easier every day. I mean, that's been my experience in recovery. It's been my experience in fitness. It's been my experience in my career. Um, just been my experience. It makes sense. The momentum that will keep going. I think of the people that, um, that will make those excuses. And I'm one of those people, just like you yeah, are. We all time. do it. We all do Nobody's it. perfect. Yeah. Come on. And we make those excuses. And then from that point, we just allow ourselves to think, well, future me doesn't want to deal with this stuff. So, um, you know, I'll just do something else or I'll let future me deal with that and I'll do something else. When if you just allow future you to reap the benefits of current you, and I play this game with myself at times where I'm like, I'll let future me deal with that. And I'm like, future me is going to fucking hate you. You better do the thing right now. I'm like, touche. But I've gone through the experience of having future me go, how the, how did I get here? How am I this low? So in those moments, when you know that you're about to fall back to that thing or to make that excuse, how do you manage your mindset? A couple of thoughts come to mind, man. For, for me, again, uh, community is an important part of recovery. So staying engaged and connected with other people is huge. Um, and then regular disciplines help keep me in a place where I'm really, in a, I guess I would say this way. Regular disciplines keep me in a good place. And for me, that looks like prayer and meditation. It looks like reviewing my day every night um, and looking at, um, you know, what did I accomplish today? You know, what am I working on tomorrow? What am I grateful for? What am I, where was I resentful? Was I, was I mean or unkind to anybody today? Is there something I need to apologize for that I've been holding on to? Um, And nip that stuff in the bud before it grows. Um, because, uh, you know, anger is normal, but resentment is, you know, reliving anger that you've, uh, should have already passed and letting it build. And that's when it becomes poison. So th- those disciplines are key. I talked earlier about, um, uh, kind of outsourcing the, the decisions to God in prayer. And that's what works for me. I, I put it to somebody this way earlier today, actually. And I love, it. I'm, I'm not in the results business anymore at all in my life. Uh, I'm in the action business. My job is to take action. God is in the results business. So I just, I, I take the actions and I trust that it's again, that the, the results are going to, are going to come. And actually that's helped my experience in fitness as well, because it's the same thing. I'm not in the, the results business in fitness, which is a crazy thing to say. Um, I'm very much am, but, but I don't focus on that. I focus on the actions. I focus on if you stick to the plan, eat the right things, do the right work. Guess what? The results will happen. They just will. It's not a question, not an if. Never seen it not happen. If you, you do it the right way, it, it happens. And that's a great lesson to live, to live with your health and fitness, but also to live life. We have this prayer in you know recovery community called the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, uh, the courage to change the things that I can. And the wisdom through the difference. And man, let me tell you, there's so much in this world that we cannot control. It's just about everything, everything but me. Um, the only thing I can control is Tim. So being intentional about reminding myself that I'm, I'm not in control is what keeps me uh, grounded and, and, and kind of centered in that place, no matter what's going on in my day to day. That was true when I had two years of sobriety. That's true now when I have, um, you know, six months, uh, as long as I'm, actively pursuing uh, a relationship with God, trusting him and letting that faith cloud out the fear. Uh, I, I know that I'm going to be okay. It's a, it's a big point. There's also a, a divide there. There are the people that don't um, subscribe to that. They don't have that faith. And I've had conversations with people that are agnostic or atheists that also subscribe to the exact same thing you're talking about where they allow to get it out there. It has nothing to do with religion. And that's a really important point. I'm glad you said that because there are plenty of agnostic atheist people that have that same idea. Um, and you don't need religion to have that idea. People talk about you know, the universe or everything's meant to be, or everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason is a, is a phrase, is a concept that is not in the Bible. It's not a Christian thought at all. It's actually, some could argue it's, it's 
counter to Christianity, um, that everything happens for a reason in the context we mean it in our world today. Um, but, but it's the same idea. It's the same thought. It's the same place of I'm accepting whatever happens. And when I say I'm going to do the best I can with what I got and trust that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. I don't mean it's going to be what I want. I mean, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I take myself back to a place where I was uh, in withdrawal and uh, suicidal and um, miserable. And I would just pray that I just, I just want to be okay. I just want to be okay. And now when I look at any issue that I'm facing today, I can confidently say, even if it goes exactly the opposite of the way Tim wants, and it just falls to shit, I am going to be so far ahead of the okay that I was desperately praying for years ago. There's a lot of people that wish that they could just be at that okay point. I would think that a lot of that is them allowing themselves to not be okay. And that's where... Oh, look, we're, we're telling you that you we are choose it okay. sometimes, don't we? Yeah, you, you just got to choose <laughs> to be. And you got to allow yourself to have the conversation. So be it with God, be it with a friend, be it with uh, a therapist or whatever, you need to have that conversation. So, Tim, I appreciate you getting into a lot of that. This is a lot, of, a lot more addiction than I thought we were going to get into, because for the most part, I half expected that we were going to just go the nutrition route and all of that. But this is really what this podcast is about. It's about getting to the depth. I can't, I can't talk about fitness and nutrition without talking about addiction. And, and honestly, it's cool for me because it really helps me relate to my clients in so many ways. When I look back at my own life, you know, struggled, like I mentioned earlier, struggled with, uh, you know, being a chubby kid, body image issues as a kid. Um, I have so many female clients that think that women have the monopoly on body image issues Wrong. and looking at magazine covers and stuff like that. And I'm like, guess what? Fully incorrect. I have not stopped sucking in my stomach for 20 years. I get it. I really get it. Um, but I can relate, uh, not just because of my, that history, not just because of the physical transformation that I went through uh, over the last five years myself, but because of addiction, when people are coming at me going, dude, I just can't stop with the Oreos. Like, I know, I really do know. I know exactly how you feel. And I can bring some level of um, advice and counsel that can be supportive there. And that has helped some people you know, in a significant way uh, change, um, change their lives and likely add years to their lives. So let's take one of those cases. You don't have to name names. Don't, in fact. But think about one of those cases where you knew this person was really struggling with those Oreos or the drinks <laughs> or whatever it was, you know? Yep. Uh, what advice do you give those people in that moment? Um, so I usually, I almost always talk about um, my own experience myself. And it can feel terrible to have somebody who you think is in great shape tell you everything you need to do. Even if you've hired them to do that, it can feel terrible. So I don't do that. I talk about what's worked for me. Um, and I encourage them to do the same. I never put things in terms of you need to do this, you need to do that, ever. Um, I talk about, let's try these things because um, everybody's different and you're going to find what works for you. And that's really key. So what I talk about first is that number one, everybody is different. And we got to find what works for you. What does it mean though? Something that works for you. It means that number one, you can stick to it, you can do it. And number two, it's helping you accomplish your goals. So if, yeah, you can stick to eating a bowl of ice cream every night, sure, that's not hard to stick to. But um, is it helping you accomplish the goals that you want? Probably not. So um, let's look at some other options. Um, I talk about my own experience where I've learned that for me, none is easier than some. None is easier than some. So I tend to stick with like a low, a low carb focused diet because for me, that's easier. And it's counterintuitive, but it's way easier to have no pasta than it is to have one bowl. I, I, I mean, I've plowed through so much food. So like literally, man, I have memories of ordering three large pizzas for me and my ex-wife. And uh, two of those were for me. So like, it's not, uh, I'm not exaggerating. And I know a lot of people that can relate to that. So I, I, when I share those stories, they go, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think you're right. And I prepare them for what I experienced as well. Listen, it's hard the first few weeks, but I promise you it gets better. Promise you it gets better. Promise you it gets better. Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And let's stay in touch. Um, I, offer to be, um, I offer accountability. And that's the other thing that's really helpful as well, is to say, hey, listen, you know, when you're thinking about it, or if you're at home tonight and you're struggling, you know, you're craving whatever it is, you, know, you can text me, call me, whatever. Even if I don't answer, that might help you. 
Oh, another thing that I do, this is, this is really, this has helped me a lot. I, I help try to, I try to help people see the difference between being hungry and wanting to eat because they are very different things. When you're hungry, you should eat. When you want to eat, it's likely that your brain wants some dopamine, which is exactly the reason yeah. we need um, water. Yeah. Or you're thirsty, right? Because your brain is looking for something and you, and we tend to confuse that. We have the same thing in addiction too, where we'll say, Hey, if you think you want to use, do you really want to use, or are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Bored? So I talk to my clients about that too. I say, are you bored? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Think about those things first, because maybe you just need to go to bed. <laughs> maybe you, yeah. um, maybe you're just bored and you want to eat out of boredom because your brain wants a little dopamine hit to feel better right now. Um, so what I, what I've taught is I call it the grilled chicken test. Does a piece of grilled chicken sound good right now? You know, seasoned up with all the garlic, whatever you want. Does that sound like good? Some buffalo sauce, whatever you're into. Um, if that doesn't sound, if you're like, no, I don't want that. But I want something. You're not hungry. You're not. You're having a craving. You want, and that can be driven by a lot of things. It can be driven by those things I talked about. It can be driven by um, the hormone ghrelin spiking in your body, which is a normal thing that happens every evening, which is why at night we tend to go... I want sweet or I want like fatty and savory. Like I want cheese fries. Like we want that stuff because we want a dopamine fix in our brain. We don't want, it's not that we're hungry anymore. Hell, my dogs do it. You know, we'll feed them. They'll eat their whole bowl and then they'll be begging at the table while we're having dinner. And my wife will say, uh, oh, babe, they're, they're hungry. No, they are not hungry. <laughs> they want, they just want to eat the human food um, that smells really good right now. They, they, you know, they just ate a whole bowl. They're fine. But that's so I, I, I'll, I'll prepare them. I'll talk about all those things. We will try different dietary approaches until we find one or ones, multiple ones that work for them, that they can stick to, that are helping them accomplish their goals. And we'll do that together. Uh, that's the other thing is that I will always let them know we're doing this. We're now doing this together. It is now a we problem, not a you problem. You know, we're going to we're going to keep trying as many times as we can or as we need to until we you know, until we get it right. You know, I, I, I try to stay out of the blame. I try to stay away from making people feel guilty. You know, it doesn't help. It doesn't work. If it did, they wouldn't be where they are. They already, no, nothing I say is going to make them feel any worse than they already do. I, I know at least, no, you couldn't say anything to me that made me feel worse than, than I already did about myself. Um, so I, I just, I understand that. And I just try to live uh, in that space with, with my clients. Sounds like a lot of it boils down to accountability. And sort of companionship, in a sense, to be able to have that accountability with somebody else that you can trust. Accountability is, yeah, accountability is everything with health and fitness, man. It's just everything. If you're struggling right now with health and fitness, and you don't know how to get moving forward, you don't know what to do, um, sure, if you have the means, a personal trainer can be life-changing. Group fitness classes can be really, really helpful. At a minimum, though, find yourself somebody else, even if they don't know what they're doing either, and do it together, you know, Google that shit together, show up together, show up together, do the wrong workout together every day for a year. Guess what? Your life's going to be so different three months in and you'll learn plenty. You'll learn plenty. You'll build so much momentum. You'll be good. But, but getting, getting somebody involved with you, um, getting that accountability partner, getting that assistance is my God, it is so crucial. When I first was in Florida, when I came down here, I was 275, um, just out of shape, hated myself for a million reasons, but certainly didn't like the way I looked. And um, uh, I was waiting tables to, to just try to you know, figure life out again. And um, one of the guys was waiting tables and said, you should come to my gym. It'll make you throw up. And I said, cool, let's go. So <laughs> I went, I was like, this is great. I love that. But like, it was a great workout, but I don't... Uh, you know, it's, I don't have a car and it's, um, uh, it would have been like a $30 Uber each way. So I'm like, I can't really you know, go here. He's like, I'll pick you up. I was like, dude, if I'm paying this money for this membership, I'm going every day. He goes, yeah, I'll pick you up every day. This, this guy picked me up every day from, from the halfway house I was living in for six months. Every morning he picked me up and it was awesome because he was in the best shape of his life after six months. And I was too at that point because he wasn't going to not show up for me and I wasn't going to roll over when I know he had woken his ass up to help me. You know what I'm saying? So even when neither one of us felt like going, which at the beginning is more often than not, we, um, we went every day, every day. 
And God, that was the, just, just the best man. So find, find somebody to do it with you. If it's a professional, great. If you don't have the means, fine, fine. Go find an amateur, go sit on a bike or a row machine at the gym and just do something. And that is the best way to get started. It just really is. Accountability is, is huge. I, I agree with that. Living in Florida for a couple of years as well. Uh, I don't have the friends that I had in PA or out in Oregon or anything like that. So I struggled through some of that at first um, because I didn't have people around to hold me accountable. I didn't have friends that would come pick me up or friends that I'd have to meet because I'm right there with you. That accountability of like, yo, I have to meet Danny or whoever at the gym at this time, or I know he's going to light me up and be like, yo, what's the deal? Yeah, exactly. And you, you can't let that person down. But when you're by yourself, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. Get your ass out of bed. Take that first step to just put your shoes on and walk out the door to go to the gym and start moving and at least get there and then go yes. to the gym. Sometimes the only victory you need is to show up. Show up, have a five-minute bike ride and a bullshit workout and get out of there. And you know what? At least you kept the momentum going. That can't be every day, of course, but sometimes that's, that's enough. It's wild. As you were talking, though, it's, it, it's so much easier to let ourselves down than it is to let somebody else down, isn't it? Which is crazy. It's yes, weird, it's man. So easy. It should be the opposite. But it's not. It's not. It really isn't. And um, it's important to know that because when you know that, you can, uh, uh, you can use that to your advantage. You, know, you, can, yeah. you can recognize your own, uh, the booby traps we set for ourselves and try to, try to jump through those. Well, we start to abandon ourselves at different times. Look, you and I have both been through divorce. Uh, we can recall times where I'm sure we both just abandoned or gave up and wanted some sort of pleasure in some other way. Um, not saying there was cheating involved or anything of the sort, but looking for those addictions or looking for means to get out of that. I didn't cheat, but I cheated with heroin. <laughs> yeah. You know, we found an escape some other way. Yeah. And it's that accountability. So moral of the story here, get accountability somewhere, but you got to first be aware of it. And I think awareness is a big thing that we've talked about with actually, without actually saying the word. Because if you're aware of a problem, then you can actually do something about it. If you're not aware, then there's a major problem and you just don't understand what's going on. The first step is admitting the problem. First step is admitting you have a problem. Yeah. You know, it really is. And so that's ironically the truth of... 12 steps, literally the first step is admitting that you have a problem. So it's, uh, it is absolutely important. I, I think a close second though, or whether it's the second step or not, but right behind there, it, you're going to be acknowledging that there is, like I talked about earlier, there is a better way and it's available to me because if you don't have that hope, you're out. You know what I mean? So I think hope is another word I would use for sure. You know? Yeah. And it can be easy for us to feel hopeless. When you're in those rough situations, when you're about to oh, yeah. make any sort of bad decision, you can almost feel hopeless. We can feel hopeless in, um, in, in small ways, man. You could be at work with a boss you don't like and be like, ugh, you know, this is just my life now. Like, no, man, it's not. Like, um, you're, a phrase we use a lot, too, is that your feelings aren't facts. Because what feels like, rea- this is just reality now. Ugh feels like this is forever. It's not, it's not, this is what you, maybe it's what you're going through now. Maybe it's not even really happening right now. It's just what you feel. You'll feel better about it tomorrow. Maybe it's important to, to, to never lose the, that, that, um, perspective that this isn't forever, whatever it is, if it's good, not forever. I got to keep, keep the momentum going so it can continue. That's the hard lesson I learned a few months ago. And, uh, and if it's bad, not forever either. It's going it, to, it's a pass. You know? Yeah. Tomorrow will be better. Or at least someday soon. Can be. be better. Yeah, it can, can be, be if I want it to be, if I choose it to be, if I want to make it that way. People yeah. say all the time, you know, hey, have a great day. I hate that. I never say have a great day. I say make it a great day. I don't like to let my days happen to me. Well, on that note, uh, we've covered a lot, man. A whole lot. Is there anything else you want to add to all of it? Ah, brother. Good to see you. This has been fun. Yeah, man. This has been an absolute blast. I appreciate you being on. So before we wrap things up, we'd love to know. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? What are your details? Yeah, jump in. The, the easiest way to connect with me is on Instagram. Um, on uh, uh, my, my handle is uh, Timstagram CPT for a certified personal trainer. 
So it's pretty easy and fun. Uh, just Tim and then Instagram <laughs> CPT. Uh, you'd be able to see what I'm doing with clients. You'd be able to, um, you know, connect with me if you want to chat or ask me a question, anything at all like that, whether it's about fitness, sobriety, anything, life in general, always more than willing to, to, to connect and help anybody with anything in any way that I can really just trying to be a servant and, um, you know, bring, bring hope and help to others. So. And we appreciate you for that. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you being on with us today. Uh, and thank you everybody for listening. Bye, Nick. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. I think the moral of the story from our conversation is that there is help available. It's available for you, for me, for all of us. But we first need to be aware of the problem, then start taking action. But what did you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we got into today. And if you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It's very much appreciated. And if you really enjoyed the show today, go ahead and share it with your friends. We covered a pretty tough subject and got some really great tips that work for all of us. You can check out the show notes for more info, contact info for Tim, and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com, as well as our YouTube channel, The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. That's where we show different clips and things that we got into, at really the nitty gritty. So you'll find some great stuff there. But thanks again, Tim, for being real, for being honest and vulnerable with us, as well as sharing some of the strategies that have worked for you to continue on your path to self-mastery. And thank you to you, yes, you, for hanging out with us today. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you.